though I wanted to be in a room so soon, like I'm very happy I started in production first because like as a showrunner now, knowing the pipeline of how the process works, knowing that if you write like these extraneous props that nobody uses, but you just want to tell a funny joke and somebody has to build that and make it and board it and like knowing the consequences of that silly joke you're putting in a script is super valuable. Hello, welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising Black, Indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Raymond Dozalanda, one half of your co-host. And I'm Yuki Okamoto Wong, the other half of our whole host. This month is a little different. Just like last August, we are taking a break from our usual format and interviewing those with a little more experience or unique jobs within the animation space, or maybe like next to the animation space. <laughs> Our guest this week is Carissa Valencia. She is a mixed Chumash Mexican writer and currently executive producer and showrunner on Netflix animation's Spirit Rangers. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself? Hello, thank you for the intro and for having me. Yes, so my name is Carissa. I'm currently here based in Los Angeles, working on Spirit Rangers. Spirit Rangers will come out this fall. It's an animated preschool series that follows the adventures of this modern Native American family who live in a magical national park. And it's just inspired by my time growing up going to state parks, national parks, and all the stories I heard as a kid growing up on the reservation. So yeah, that's me. That's incredible. Awesome. Yeah. So before we get into the interview, though, the way we'd like to start off on Straight Ahead is by playing a little game called In Between. Okay. We're going to give you two similar choices, and then you have to choose in between the two of them and let us know why. Ooh. Okay. Okay, great. I'll start us off with the first question. If you died, would you rather go? <laughs> Sorry, coming in hard. Coming in hard. Not where I thought this was going. Okay. If you died, <laughs> would you rather go to the land of the remembered from Book of Life or the land of the dead from Coco? Oh, good question. Uh, <laughs> gosh, I have to say. Oh my gosh, Jorge, don't kill me, but I think I would go to the land of the dead. <laughs> go, go. I love you, Jorge. <laughs> I love Jorge. He's a friend of mine from the book one, but I I think Coco for sure. Oh my oh, gosh. Interesting. Why Land of the Dead over the Land of the Remembered? I mean, for some reason, there's something very beautiful about that bridge that crosses over, like mm-hmm. with the marigolds and oh mm-hmm. my god, it's just there's I don't know that connection between the two is so so beautiful. Yeah, and I like that you can take your little dog with you <laughs> if you can cross between. <laughs> I personally have a, a Chihuahua at home who might be barking in the background. I apologize in advance, <laughs> but good. um, I imagine that I could just take her with me everywhere if we went back and forth. So that's kind of what came to mind. Aww. <laughs> That bridge is beautiful. And the thing that I do like about the Land of the Dead and Coco is the way they depicted the architecture, how you see like, you know, the Mayan and the Mesoamerican ruins mm-hmm. uh, or temples. And then you see modern like built on top. Yeah. Architecture kind of being built on top of each other. I was like, yeah. that's an interesting beauty that I felt like I've never seen before in anything. So like, I like that visual. Mm-hmm. But 
I would actually personally would go with the Land of the Remembered from Book of Life just because yeah. oh, okay. I feel like there's more pop of color. Mm. I feel like it feels more of a fiesta. I can see that. So beautiful. I just feel like I'd be partying all the time if I was down there. <laughs> and plus, I like the idea of, I guess, like being more of like a puppet, like having mm. being like a wooden block and stuff. I think my anatomy would be cooler. <laughs> I like the visuals a bit more there just because of the color and the, the shape language but it's a tough choice between the two no doubt that's a tough one mm-hmm. yes yes i think that's a good point what you say about like it feeling like a fiesta and feeling like a party and as opposed to like coco i think like the design is definitely more like paying homage to like you know the history and the culture of that but jorge is like he is the culture. He is Mexican. So <laughs> instead of like having to, you know, really build it up and I guess make his credentials known as, you know, like, oh, this is, you know, Mexican. He just inserted himself in his style and like the feeling of it, you know, mm-hmm. being bright and colorful and, and kind of being in that. Oh, yeah. Those designs are so beautiful. Mm-hmm. He's just like oh, a masterclass on all that stuff. He's so great. Mm-hmm. Totally. Hard question. That was a good one right at the gate. <laughs> I know, right? It really came in swinging. I was like, can I die twice? I want to go both. <laughs> <laughs> All right, last question. Would you rather be defending the planet as a planeteer, like in Captain Planet, or as a Power Ranger, like in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? Power Ranger. <gasps> yes! <laughs> no, no Yes! <laughs> Okay, yes. I probably should say Planeteer because, like, the environment, yes, but Power Ranger all day. That would be so fun. Yes. Oh, my God. So yeah. fun. What about you guys? Power Ranger, for sure. I'm a big Power Ranger fan. Growing up, I did like watching Captain Planet, mm-hmm. but whether having a ring or having a morpher, I'd rather have a morpher. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think that's going to be so cool. Same. The song is way better, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the sick guitar. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, I'd also go with being a ranger. Even if I wasn't like, even if it wasn't like an important ranger, like the red one, and then there's like a special six ranger or whatever is always like the mm-hmm. cool one. But even if I was just like a normal on the team ranger, I would love that. Mm-hmm. Like so being funny. part of a crew. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uniform. I don't know. Uh-huh. It seems nice. Mm-hmm. I just realized this is. Are you gonna ask the Spirit Rangers? Is, is Spirit Rangers in relation to being like, like Power Rangers? I mean, kind of. Like I talked about Power Rangers in my pitch to Netflix, and it's so funny. Like I really loved the name Yay. Spirit Rangers when we finally discovered it. Yeah, and then Netflix put it through the legal ring, and they were like, "I don't know if you know, but." Power Rangers has like another franchise called Spirit Rangers. And I was like, oh, oh. really? I had no idea. It's all animal rangers. Oh, oh, But we still like, it's fine to use the name. Yeah, so, and they're like, as long as you don't care. And I was like, I don't care. That's great. Okay, good. Yeah, I don't think they have that in the States. It might be a thing where they have it overseas in Japan because there is a series. Maybe that's what it is. Uh. I think it's Jungle Fury where there's, there's these three like spirits that become rangers and they're called the spirit rangers but it's only like Uh, it's only ever in that series it's only ever for those brief episodes but Mm -hmm. like they're not like part of the official team they're just kind of like three random assistants or random masters that come and help Mm, sorry don't want to get into the too much into the lore but (laughs) the the power ranger lore (laughs) yeah but it's never like an official like at least in the states it was never official power ranger title it was just more of like oh like if there's a band in a show like oh this is this band or this is this group Mm -hmm. basically kind of what it was but no spirit rangers such a cool name 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, we definitely are piggybacking off Power Rangers, I guess. But it's like, you guys should Google it later. Not a bad thing to piggyback off of, though. <laughs> no, yeah. not at all. Oh, yeah. I used Power Rangers as a reference in the pitch. I was like, imagine Native American Sailor Moon meets Power Rangers. I sounded very 90s, but yeah, that was it. So what would your Power Ranger color be? Gosh, honestly, probably pink. Oh, I know it's... That's <laughs> okay, that's classic, fine. Yeah. But you need a pink I, ranger. Yes, pink ranger is the best. You got it. Yes, the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be me. See, I, I, would, I would be the blue. <laughs> classic. Your headphones mm-hmm. right now are blue. I see we're channeling that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yuki. Um... Well, my favorite color is orange, um, but I might be a Green Ranger because not like Mighty Morphin because he was really cool. <laughs> There's a Green Ranger in Gokaiger, which is the pirate one. Oh. He's my favorite. Uh, I love him uh, no. because his personality is he's really clumsy. He's like yeah. not a fighter. And all of his fight sequences involve him falling down <laughs> and getting other guys to like accidentally hit each other. Uh, that's funny. That would be me. I would accidentally bumble through every fight. I feel like that's kind of the same fight style for the Green Ranger in RPM in the American version. Mm. It's like he's like he wasn't meant to be a Pyranger. Ranger. He just put on the morpher to prevent an evil person from getting it. Mm-hmm. And like their thugs are trying to beat him up and he's just kind of like running away, just kind of using objects to defend himself and like basically the same thing where like yeah. as he's like dodging them, the guards are like bumping into each other and like knocking <laughs> each other out. Yeah, yeah, that sort of, that would be me. I, I'm not a fighter. <laughs> not very good at it. <laughs> but fan favorite, you know? Yeah. Yes. I love it. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for playing in between with us and to our audience. If you have any suggestions for future in between questions, send us a message either on Twitter or Instagram at straight ahead AP or send us an email at straight ahead podcast at gmail.com. With that said, again, we're so happy to have you on, Carissa, especially in our month of August. We're interviewing people with a bit more experience, but it's super cool to even have a showrunner talking to us. So this is going to be really awesome. To start off, let's talk about how you first got your start in animation. Sure. So let's see. I am from Southern California. So I went to school in San Diego at like a liberal arts school. Always wanted to get into film, but like that just felt like such a pipe dream, especially Mm. like... Mm -hmm. Like when I was Googling creators and writers, like they did not look or sound like me. So it was just like, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get there. Mm. And I decided to apply to grad school to go to Syracuse and got in, went there for, it was about a year and a half program. And that's when I like fell in love. I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I'm going to do. Like I always knew I wanted to be a writer and grad school. I love the kids and family space and like action adventure, like blockbuster stuff and my film teachers then like didn't really know what to do with me because everybody else is writing their like dramas and, <laughs> uh, but I just love animation like I just love it's just so fun mm-hmm. so when I got to LA uh, moved back to California my first job was a Nick turn at Nickelodeon and I worked in the talent development department oh, wow. which was the department that does the artist program and the writers program mm-hmm. I recommend everyone to apply it's a fantastic program mm-hmm. My first job as an intern, though, so I'm here like bright eyed and bushy tailed. I want to be a writer in the industry. And my assignment for three months was sending rejection letters to all the people that applied to the writing program. (laughs) 
What a salt to the wound. The person that got the position is like, okay, guys, send rejections to everybody else. <laughs> that, oh. All right. It was like, it was a very intense wake up call. Like, here are thousands of people who applied to this program that want to get in. Damn. And then, like, I'm the intern. So I'm just like helping the support staff. Right. So I like, had to literally fold, push the envelope down, mail it all day. It was just so crazy. <laughs> Physical envelopes? Yeah. And the uh, VP at the time, her name is Karen Kirkland. Full circle moment. She's now my agent. She oh, wow. <laughs> switched over careers. Wow. But um, every day we would put a stack of letters on her desk and she would hand sign them. So everybody who applied, she would hand sign a, a thank you for applying. And then I would fold it and mail it. That's it was wild. a long... <laughs> long internship Damn. but i would like recognize friends names and stuff and still despite seeing all those people who want to be writers and didn't make it it still made me be like i am gonna do this like i can still uh-huh. do this mm-hmm. <laughs> so wow. yeah from there i um worked on dora it was not baby dora it was dora all grown up like when rugrats did that oh. so dora and friends into the city she was a little older i was the pa on that show And then during that time, I was taking lots of meetings and meeting a lot more alums and other writers. And I got connected with Chris Nee, who created Doc McStuffins and Vampirina over at Disney Junior. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I personally, like, I I never saw myself landing in preschool. Mm -hmm. But when I met Chris, she really changed my mind to like, really respecting this audience and like Mm. they deserve really good content and we don't need to talk down to them and we can write shows that are geared towards the parents that are also watching maybe the older siblings that are also tuning in Mm -hmm. so I was her script coordinator there then promoted to staff writer on Vampirina and then I was a staff writer on the Chicken Squad at Disney Junior. Wait just quick thing something I just kind of want to add. Oh yeah. To having several nephews myself I can't tell you how many times I had to sit down and watch the shows with them. Oh, really? So, so the more, like, yeah, if they don't talk down to them and, like, if there can be some stuff I can enjoy watching yeah. it, it does. Because, yeah, you do end up watching it. with. It's not just for the kids. Like, it plays so much. That's something you just sit there and watch it with them. And I've yeah. mm-hmm. through my nephews, it's been a lot of either Santiago of the Seas, mm. PJ Masks. And I think uh, Spider-Man and Friends is what I've been watching oh, yeah. a lot with with oh, with my okay. nephews and How stuff. How cute. Those are all good. Yeah, all great. It's very true, though. Like you at the end of the day, the parents, adults hold the remote. <laughs> so you want them <laughs> yeah. to pick your show <laughs> and got to make it entertaining for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The preschool space is really fun. I've learned a lot. And then, yeah, during all of that, I was working on Spirit Rangers in the back of my mind and wanted to pitch it. Oh, wow. So for a long time. I, yeah, it was kind of like percolating for a bit. And then um, I just didn't know what to do with it. And then being in the preschool space, I was like, this would be a great preschool show, actually. <laughs> yeah. And then I had this like two page document on my computer. And I just didn't know who to share it with. I was really nervous because we don't as indigenous people, people of color, we just don't have a lot of representation. Yeah. You don't want someone to mess it up. for lack of better word and um Mm -hmm. when chris she got an overall deal at netflix and was looking to buy stuff so she was somebody that i trusted and knew who would get it she's like been othered in her own communities and stuff so i pitched it to her and she loved it she bought it the next day and then i've been working on it ever since wow yeah so it's been about one year development two years on production so it's like spirit rangers high school i've been there for three years (laughs) going on (laughs) four That's amazing. That's insane, yeah. What an overall amazing journey. I'm so happy that like you've had that kind of experience and gone in this cool trajectory. One of the things I also want to ask is that 
you mentioned in Syracuse, you fell in love with writing and stuff. So what originally gravitated you towards writing? What piqued your interest? Oh, gosh, I feel really lucky in a weird way that I like always knew I wanted to be a writer. Mm. I don't know what it was, Mm. but like even like baby Carissa in kindergarten was already writing wacky ass stories and just like (laughs) really want to like playing with Barbies forever and ever, like just like building my own world. So I always knew I wanted to be a writer. And I I feel really fortunate that I knew that because then I was able to just go pursue it. And I thought I would land more in like, you know, writing like fiction or middle grade novels, YA stuff, which I would still love to do. But (laughs) yeah, I think, uh, yeah, TV and film was always the dream. I just didn't know that I could get there. And Mm. really glad I had people along the way that just told me to keep going for it. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think like watching really fun movies and cartoons when I was young is also like probably what motivated me as well. Mm -hmm. I remember going to Universal Studios for the first time when I was 11. Mm. And that was when it all clicked like, oh my god, somebody makes these movies like they don't just appear (laughs) on your TV. And I just like I was like hooked from I was like, oh my god, that's so that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. So that also really was a nail in the coffin my trip to Universal Studios. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. So yeah, following from that, like you mentioned already that you're a production assistant for Dora and Friends Into the City. What did you do in your role as a PA to kind of transition yourself to be a writer? Because I know sometimes when a lot of people enter the industry for the first time, they're in a PA position. Sometimes they're in a PA position for like the department they want to be in. So if somebody wants to be a story artist, they tend to be a PA for the story department. If they want to be a visual development artist, they're in PA on the visitive side. So yeah, what kind of stuff were you kind of doing while working there to like, yeah, transition to be a writer or to be on the writing staff? Yeah, at the time, I was like, so happy just to be like, still at Nickelodeon and learning from everybody. And Mm -hmm. even though I wanted to be a writer at like, or be in a room so soon, like, I'm very, very, very happy I started in production (laughs) first, because like, as a showrunner now, knowing the pipeline of how the process works, Mm -hmm. knowing that if you write like, these extraneous props that nobody uses, but you just want to tell a funny joke, like, and somebody has to build that and make it and board it. And like knowing the consequences of that silly joke you're putting in a script is super valuable. And like, Mm. anytime I meet with writers that really want to like, just be a showrunner, like yesterday or tomorrow, (laughs) I am always like, take your time to learn from everybody. Because Mm -hmm. being in production was like, even just like reading the script, seeing their structure, meeting all the artists who also have like been in the industry for so long and what they've gone through and like what are some of their favorite shows they've worked on Mm -hmm. I think like just being a little sponge in that moment was how I'm so happy I used my time and of course like just yeah being part of the the team in the process yeah after you know finding out you wanted to be a writer getting into the writing position was being a showrunner one of your goals or were you like oh I just have this idea and if I end up being a showrunner that'd be cool but yeah it was more the latter like I just see myself (laughs) as a writer and like I just want to be like I just want to be the beast in it locked in a cave (laughs) (laughs) writing all my novels and scripts and things Mm -hmm. and I just kind of always was under the assumption that like oh somebody else would make that you know if I ever had the idea Uh I knew I wanted to create native content so Mm -hmm. that was always the dream for sure but being a showrunner like it is the best job ever I essentially have all my dream jobs but at the same time (laughs) Mm. (laughs) so that's probably the hardest part is like Mm. balancing all of those together and it's it's been tough but um also just flexing that storytelling muscle in all different avenues like now like I am so happy that I get to like I lead the writer's room but I'm also 
you know, reviewing all the boards and the designs and the music Mm -hmm. and like pushing the story through those different departments too. And it's really, really awesome to like be the captain of the storytelling ship that way. It's been really cool. Yeah. So one of the other things I want to get into as well is that uh, you are the executive producer and showrunner for Netflix animation Spear Rangers. We just want to say again, congrats. That is so amazing. It's super cool that even a show like this is getting made. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. Because you said it's always been something in the back of your mind. Can you tell us how you first kind of came up with the series and how did the idea develop over time, especially when you mentioned it's been a year in development before starting production? Yeah, I guess it kind of started out when... Let's see. So half my family is Shumash. Our reservation is in Santa Barbara County. Mm. We're like in the Santa Inez Valley, which is where like, <laughs> like Oprah Winfrey has a house out there and Michael Jackson's house <laughs> is out there. It's a really beautiful, gorgeous area. And my tribe are a lot of our stories are really fantastical. Mm-hmm. And I have always been somebody that really loves like fantasy adventure stuff. So As a kid, my dad would like tell us our bedtime stories of our traditional stories, which are like, how did the condor get its black feathers? Mm. How did the chipmunk get its stripes? Or like, how did the owl start hooting? Like all those kind of like origin stories of our like land and place Mm. or something I grew up hearing. And I just felt like they were very much like Grimm's fairy tales, which Disney has obviously made lots of stories and content from. And I'm like, gosh, Mm -hmm. we have so many just with my own tribe and every tribe. There's like over 500 federally recognized tribes, probably another 500 that are not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But yeah, they each have their own creation stories and origin stories. And just like there's so many out there that are about the land and connecting with it and taking care of it. And so Spirit Rangers kind of came about when I was at a bear ceremony for my tribe Mm -hmm. and I was watching our connection and respect for the bear. And I was thinking like we put on the bear skins like over their backs or beautiful, beautiful. And then they just start dancing and moving like the bears. And I was just kind of thinking like, wow, like what if a little kid found that bear skin and they could transform into a real bear Uh. and then that was like the first character his name is cody and then i was thinking of other ones like because we have in a lot of our powwow dances and dances in general and ceremonies we're honoring these animals that live here so Mm. not all tribes believe in transforming into animals i know that's like a it's Mm. a stereotype in hollywood Mm -hmm. but my tribe does like we have stories of our bear doctors and when the shumash were colonized by the spanish in the missions there's these stories that we had where like our ancestors would try and run away to go see the bear dancers transform one last time and like escape from the missions and like those stories are just so beautiful Uh, like we're just trying to hold on to our roots so Mm -hmm. yeah it all kind of came about combining my my culture and hearing all the stories that I did growing up and I'm so happy with where we've landed because the kids are Shumash the family is Shumash in the show but they're also um, cowlets so they're multi-tribal which gave us the opportunity to like show not all natives are the same. So they have like different hair color, eye color, skin Mm. tone. Mm -hmm. And the park is set in a very, very fictional California. But it's like a love letter (laughs) to all the national parks. So you'll see like Mm -hmm. the California poppies and like some of our beautiful waterfalls. But also like it looks a little bit like Yellowstone, a little bit like Joshua Tree. It's got like all of the national parks combined into one Disneyland of national parks. Yeah. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. It's really 
nice that instead of, I guess, shying away from that, like you said, you know, Hollywood has taken that idea of like indigenous peoples, you know, transforming and like, oh, it's such a stereotype. It's really good that you're bringing it back and saying like, well, it does exist, at least in in your tribe. And it's a positive thing. And we can connect it back to the culture and really, Mm -hmm. you know, own that again. So that's really cool that you're leaning into it instead of, you know, shying away from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's exactly it. I remember when I first pitched Spirit Rangers, there was somebody who was not indigenous, not anything, was like, isn't that stereotypical? And I was like, oh my gosh, like, Mm -hmm. no, like, I am a native person. Why would I be Mm -hmm. like, this does exist. It's exactly like what you said, Mm -hmm. but it's just told from a native perspective. So like our show will be entirely from an indigenous point of view. My entire writing staff is all indigenous and they have brought their own perspective to it and Mm -hmm. yeah it's like if it was done right this is how we're hoping it would be (laughs) i guess kind of on that topic being a writer yourself what kind of things did you have in mind when kind of forming your writer's room well first i knew i wanted an all native writing staff i personally am not queen native of all natives so my Mm -hmm. one perspective isn't gonna i didn't want to speak for everybody and i really wanted to assemble this team and talk about like what it was like being a native kid growing up what is it like being a native kid today and Mm -hmm. like one of the conversations that we were having is like as far as skin tones that that I was mentioning earlier like one of our writers he's very white passing so when he tells people that he's native they don't believe him Mm -hmm. and so like that was something I was thinking about with like even my sister's more white passing so I wanted one of our characters to be like a little bit more lighter toned Mm -hmm. and also like I think like another reason why I wanted to have an all native writing staff is because I wouldn't have to give the native 101 course Mm -hmm. to all the writers. Mm -hmm. It was like we had this base level knowledge of like, we've all been to a powwow before. We know what fry bread is. (laughs) But at the same time, we were all so different. Like I had one writer who lived in Alaska. Another one is from Oklahoma. She's Choctaw. Mm -hmm. Um, We had another writer who is Haudenosaunee, which is like the Northeast. And then I'm Southern California. So like even our stories, it was really, really, really fun for I think all of us to learn from each other and like hear the different stories. Like on the East Coast, their stories about snakes are always really evil. And that's like a bad omen. Mm. But our stories about snakes in California, like there's snakes everywhere. So like, they're actually kind of a good thing. And like, <laughs> we actually more positive stories because we're like a desert tribe. And like, oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it's interesting seeing like the different perspectives that we all have. And mm-hmm. what did we want to create in Spirit Rangers? And like, what is the myth and legend we're gonna start there in the in the series no it's really good i think that's just so wonderful like you know what you did forming your writer's room and the fact that like yeah all of you guys are native from different tribes but you guys all have like the same but also different perspectives you can all bring to the table like i absolutely love that i think that's that's so wonderful that you were able to kind of put that together mm-hmm. yeah i think we've had other people on this podcast like crystal babbage who worked on like maya and the three right or hey mm-hmm. and then also shakira presley who was talking about, you know, being in a writer's room with like all black people on an all black show or like being Latino on a like Latino show. It really makes a difference, especially for people in the room. They're like, yeah, we all get it. We don't need the 101, like you said. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody that we've interviewed who has had that experience, I think it's pretty, pretty <laughs> obviously the same. Like it, it works. <laughs> it does work. Yeah, and especially with having an all like, you know, indigenous writing staff, like, 
kind of like the one-on-one you're saying, but you don't have to do the whole thing where, because I think Crystal mentioned where Jorge would pitch something and somebody would be like, oh, does that really translate? Or just like, is that a thing? And then Crystal would be like, no, yeah, that's the thing. I can vouch or uh, I've, mm-hmm. I've had that kind of experience. So like, mm-hmm. like oh, okay, cool. So like it passes or whatever. But like you guys with your kind of staff, that kind of doesn't need to happen because you guys are all on the same page or you don't have to go through that kind of approval of like, will that translate? Will that make sense? Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I think like writer's rooms are such intimate spaces. Mm-hmm. And like, I often have been like the only indigenous person in the room or the building even. Mm-hmm. And so I think like being in this space where it was all indigenous and we could really talk about like, it was hard growing up being native and we can share all the different stories that we had not having to worry about like, I guess for lack of a better word, like an out outsider listening in and like worrying about their feelings but just like talking about ours and and what we want to do to show it express it and yeah. just like trust each other so building that trust together was was really special in the writer's room mm-hmm. so your cultural upbringing is obviously a huge inspiration to your work why is your culture so important to you and has your culture always influenced your writing i guess i would say I think later in life, it's become really important to me. Mm-hmm. I think like in the beginning, we're kind of like as a creative, you're or just trying to break into the industry, you're chasing trends and like, oh my gosh, vampires are huge right now. Let me write my vampire or whatever. But like realizing <laughs> yeah. that you need to come from an authentic place, like that's what's going to sustain your story. Mm. And I think for me personally, like growing up native, like I would tell people that I was indigenous and people again would just like, nah, you're just Mexican or like you just, Mm. they just would totally disregard this other half of my identity, which made me feel extremely invisible. And that I wouldn't say I would like hate telling people because it was either they didn't believe me or they'd be like, well, you don't have straight hair like Pocahontas or like, oh my gosh, you're so exotic. And just like, I just hated all the the comments. So I just mm-hmm. wouldn't say it for a long time. That's awful. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I look back and I'm just like, oh my gosh, if I could shake myself and be like, just like, screw those people. Like, who cares what they think? Mm-hmm. They don't define if you're indigenous or not. And I think like carrying that feeling of invisibility with me is what kind of really like, really formulated spirit rangers because the youth are just they are still going through that and if Mm -hmm. i can do one little bit of showing a modern native family on screen to help them feel more visible like look there is a loving family there they fight like everybody else they love each other like everybody else they can go on adventures believe their culture is magic that is just like the dream. And that was what I thought I would be chasing my whole career doing. And I'm so happy to do it now. Mm. So yeah, I would say it was like a later thing in life in a weird way. Like it took me a while to just say like F you to everybody and be like, I am indigenous and I'm just going to hold my ground. And now here I am very native and proud. And it's like, yeah, I'm so happy that I got there because I think a lot of people get there even later in life. There's so much of this like trauma that's been passed down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like eventually you got to get to that point where it's like, F everybody else, you know? Just, yeah, exactly. You got to realize that, like, this is me and this is who I am. And just, like, yeah, because it, it is it is a struggle because, like, I know it's kind of like what you're mentioning with um, one of your writers who's, like, more fair-skinned. Like, even, like, if you're Hispanic or Latino, yeah. when you tend to be fair-skinned, a lot to be like, oh, well, yeah, you don't look Mexican. And, like, that's a tough thing to hear. It's like, how dare you tell me I don't look mm-hmm. like my culture? Like, screw <laughs> you, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you hear it enough, you start to believe it. Even right? if it's not true, you you just feel, you know, internalized. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was going to say, and that's something I was guilty of too, like growing up like that and like mm-hmm. knowing now I was like, okay, like, yeah, why was I like that? Like, I shouldn't be like that. I should be glad that there's, you know, 
I'm meeting another Hispanic. Glad that there's more people of my culture, regardless if we look similar or not. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough thing growing up and just I hope Spirit Rangers helps young kids reach that state in life a lot faster. Maybe not saying F you, but like being comfortable <laughs> in their no, skin. No, that's and- exactly what I want to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well then I hope that it does <laughs> we love kids running around. Success. I, I have a question about so did you grow up on a reserve or were you just like going to tribe powwows and stuff and then like going to public school or like I'm curious about what your schooling was like growing up because I have heard before like people who maybe grow up on reservations you know, they have their own school system, but they also like have a limited amount of resources that they get and like for their education and stuff. I'm just curious about your experience as a native person and like, was that affected at all by like how, you know, your tribe is treated, I suppose, by by government? Yeah, every tribe is a little different. Mm -hmm. They're each like their own mini governments in a way. For us, so I grew up, my parents are divorced. So my mom is in San Diego, which is my hometown, really. Mm, Like, that's where I spent most of my time. Mm -hmm. And then my dad lives in Santa Barbara County on the reservation. Mm -hmm. And so I would go up like every other weekend or spend summers there. So it's definitely home to me and is like my hometown as well. I just say I grew up on and off the reservation. Mm. But I went to school in San Diego. So it was such a whiplash, like going home on the reservation where like we're all native and proud and like we all know the same things and then going home to San Diego and like reading about natives in our school and it was always like in the past tense like oh natives lived here they ate this and they used to do this Mm -hmm. and I'm over here like I'm right here like I'm like literally right here we still exist (laughs) yeah like I'm literally right here still I have an iPhone and like I'm like doing the real thing so Mm -hmm. it was crazy going back between the two and just like really like I'm really glad my dad anytime I was home we were like making clapper sticks making jewelry going to powwows going like he just was like you are a little native girl and this is who you are and I'm so grateful to that because then I was able to carry that with me even when I was in school being told that I didn't exist I knew Mm -hmm. that I did and like had this home and this community Mm -hmm. but that's not the case for everybody like a lot of people are like you know they're relocated from their reservations or they've moved or they're just like reconnecting back home were Mm -hmm. adopted out like it's just like it's crazy trying to connect to your culture that way Mm -hmm. native identity is such a (laughs) such a journey but Mm. yeah so that was my that was my experience personally right and that is so interesting to me like i've never thought about it in that aspect until you mentioned it right now like being in a situation where people are talking to you in the past tense it's like yeah i know hopefully hopefully this also helps people like to think a bit differently like Mm -hmm. to not view native people in the past tense like yeah you are all still very much present. Yeah. One of the things I also want to ask is that what have been some of the challenges that you have faced being a first time showrunner, especially for such a culturally inspired and driven show? Oh, yes, this is a good one. There's been lots of challenges, but all very, very rewarding. I think one thing I wanted to do, which was like indigenize our production Mm -hmm. and Hollywood isn't necessarily built for that, Mm -hmm. but I made it happen and made time in the production schedule because it's so important. Mm -hmm. Hollywood has like always been fascinated by our culture. And we always say in the community, like they're so happy to make stuff about us, but for some reason they do it without us. Mm. And I was like, That is not going to happen on Spirit Rangers. I'm inviting Mm -hmm. everybody in and making sure that we're getting all the appropriate sign off. So one of the first things we did was like when we were creating the family, we wanted to pick a real tribe to base them off of. 
I, of course, wanted my tribe to be represented. And then uh, to make them multi-tribal, we had another writer step up who volunteered himself. And we both went to our tribes and asked just for permission. It wasn't like a formal, like we're going to, you know, it was just like, is this okay to do? Here's who I am. Here's my mission. Here's what I want to do. Is this okay? And my tribe was like, truly like moved to tears. They were so, so honored Mm. just to be asked and included. And because of that, they like gifted me all these stories from um, our matriarch and my ancestor. Her name is Maria Solaris. Mm. And she's the one who like, because of her, she did all these audio recordings of like our life and stories. And that's what is like how we have our language today because of her. And they gifted me all her audio recordings, which only the elders are allowed to have. And they said, here you go. Oh, wow. This is for you to use and like if I didn't ask them I would just be going off the little stories that I had but to be so authentic because I have like her literal text and because I'm like a direct descendant from her so it's like yeah if anybody comes at me and says like that story doesn't exist I could be like nope it's like right here she is my (laughs) great 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 grandmother Mm -hmm. yeah so I think making time for that kind of stuff it was hard to like tell everybody no we have to wait we have to get the permission first before we move forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was challenging, but people have been so happy with the outcome and they've become active collaborators in the show and make it that much more special. So I'm really happy that we've had stuff like that connected. Yeah, that's really amazing. That's so wonderful. And I'm glad that like, yeah, I'm glad that you got the, the support from the tribes. because I'm, I'm pretty sure they also want their Purdue to be properly represented on screen as well mm-hmm. and kind of be a part of the like, if you're going to make stories about us, include us. Yeah. That's basically what you're saying. Exactly. So I, I love that. Yeah. So given the fact that this show is geared towards like a younger audience, what do you hope they take away when watching Spirit Rangers? I guess I'm hoping that, you know, at the end of the day, if you get any of that great native messaging or environmental messaging where, you know, we're putting in the show, awesome. Mm-hmm. But like, you don't have to be native to enjoy it. It's my Native American Sailor Moon dreams come true. So I just hope it's like a really fun action adventure show. You'll see beautiful national parks, also the spirit version of those national parks. So the way the show is kind of structured is like there's a problem. It's very like PJ Masks, actually, which what you were referencing, mm-hmm. where like we start in the human world and there's a problem like a thunderstorm or something is flooding the park. When the kids transform as spirit rangers. They look up into the sky and they don't see clouds. They see like a massive thunderbird is flying by. So like Mm. there's a connection always and everything is alive and everything is connected. So I'm hoping people will walk away with like a little bit more appreciation for the earth. And especially after being in this pandemic, wanting to get outside and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just enjoying the show as a fun superhero show. Yeah. No, it's really great. (laughs) No, that's that sounds so cool. I'm so jealous of these kids that are going to watch this. Like, of course, I can watch it now. But like watching something in your formative years is like a different experience. Yes, Mm -hmm. that's very true. (laughs) Oh, yeah. If I saw this as a kid, like that's who I'm like writing for at the end of the day is like, what would Carissa have loved to see as a kid? And it's definitely something like Spirit Rangers seeing a modern day native kid wearing shorts and shirts not like leathers and feathers just like every other kid (laughs) going on adventures their culture is magic they believe in it they love it oh yeah i i just i would have loved this we've shared like some clips with them like some of our cast when they come in and like 
it like really gets me every time some of them just like burst into tears they're like i can't imagine having seen this as a kid and it's like and then i'm crying and then the engineer's crying we're all crying (laughs) 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 but i just hope it makes like just a little bit of a difference if we can I hope it does, and I, yeah. I think it will, because kind of every, what you and Yuki were saying is that, like, yeah, this totally would have been a show I would have watched as a kid, and I know, like, my nephews are going to enjoy the hell of it, because, like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, if, if if kids are turning into animals or, like, as animal companions, that's yeah. that's already super cool. That's already, like, okay, I get the appeal. I'm watching this. This is yep. going to be fun. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we hope so. Regarding your writer's room and turning, you know, making sure that the show on the production side was, like, completely native all of that Mm -hmm. i will say on our show when we search for people we're you know our show is black indigenous and people of color we're trying to put a focus on black and indigenous people because you know very often get left out of the conversation or you know we're trying to put more focus on it Mm -hmm. ray and i have had like two other indigenous people on this podcast and then now you out of our uh 70 something episodes so far Mm -hmm. it's it's really something that we've been trying to find. We've been actively asking people like, yeah, recommend us stuff, especially if you have like an indigenous friend <laughs> or something. Yeah, <laughs> uh, We got a lot of recommendations for people on this show. But yeah, finding native writers, finding indigenous writers is a lot tougher for some reason. We were just wondering maybe like indigenous artists there's and just not as, as well as many yeah, uh, indigenous artists, uh, writers, even production like anybody. We really haven't found any, and maybe like maybe there are some people we found that just haven't said that they are native because they've also had that experience where it's like, oh, you're not native. You only have mm. like a one sixteenth or something like that, or like your experience, and they just brush it off. I'm really curious how your team was put together. I guess did you just put out a call for like only native peoples, or like how did you do that? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, so a couple of things. I, first of all, have lots of names I'm going to send your way. Please (laughs) Please do. do. Please, please do. (laughs) I got so many names for you. And two, I think when I was first putting together the room, like, it's interesting. Like, when I was at Nick, I knew one other Native person. Mm -hmm. And it was because, like, I went up to him. He was very outwardly Native. His hair was long, long ponytail, decked out in his turquoise. I'm like, that guy's Native. And he was. <laughs> nice. Yes. <laughs> but that was the only person I knew. And then when I was leaving my last show, Chicken Squad, the writer that was coming in to take my position, actually, she was also indigenous. Oh, and then man. we connected and she was really connected with the Native community in like the Sundance Labs or LA Skins Fest, the Autry. All those have like a pretty big Native presence. And me personally, like I didn't come up through those avenues because they only they really focus on like comedies and dramas. And I feel very like in the family space or the kids space. Mm -hmm. So I just didn't know anybody over there. So me too, in a weird way, like it was my introduction into Native Hollywood Mm. and meeting all these people for the first time because we just don't have as many in in animation. Like you're totally right. Like it's just it's something that's still coming together. Mm -hmm. But because of shows like Molly of Denali and now Spirit Rangers more people are getting work and opportunity. And now all these people are like, I'm so happy that we're on their resume 
resume and now they're off doing amazing things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like it's starting to exist more now. I think now that the opportunity is a little bit more present, which I'm just so happy to be a part of that, Mm -hmm. giving people their their shot because there there were so many people ready. They had amazing scripts on deck as soon as I asked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But through Kelly is her name is who I met so many people and then she was like oh you should meet these three people and then from there I was like do you know anybody and then they would each send me three more people Mm. and it just (laughs) snowballed into like the whole community of writers I ended up meeting a lot of the comedy writers from the native Hollywood scene who adapted perfectly to animation because they have like a really strong sense of humor and can be nice and silly for us which of course our preschoolers love yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. it was a great yeah it just all came together sounds like a lot of footwork though it was it was a lot you being on the ground asking hey do you have a friend hey do you have a friend you know i think that was also like we were going one of your questions was like what was the hardest things and i think that was something that was really hard is like i had to do a lot of the search myself which i would have anyways i loved it and like Mm. love meeting people and connecting with people but um i think when like if i had netflix do the searching our community has been so scorned by Hollywood. Right, right, if right. big bad Netflix comes knocking, they're like, "Ugh, what do they want now? Mm-hmm. What misrepresentation do they want now?" But if, I... <laughs> <laughs> but if I come in as a native person, like, "Hey, like I'm working on this show," and they're like, oh, "Okay," like they'll most likely take the meeting because a native person's actually on the show. Right. Mm-hmm. So I really had to step in and fill that and be that connective tissue for the studio. Because our community is just so, like, rightfully so, very nervous of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah it, it was it was fun, though. But it, it was it was definitely another job was getting connected with everybody and meeting all these amazing people. And now I always say we've, like, assembled the Native Avengers. We've got, like, <laughs> composers and editors and writers and artists and everybody. It's been it's been so cool. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. The Native Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Well, perfect. Thank you so much for joining us today, Carissa. Before we get into our final question, where can our audience find you? And is there anything else you would like to promote? I guess, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. My handle's at Carissa Valencia. And please check out Spirit Rangers. It's coming out this fall. I'm so excited for everyone to see it. I don't have an exact date, date TBD, but it is going to be this fall, hopefully in like October, (laughs) November area. So exciting. Yeah. And thank you guys for having me. It's it's just, I really, really admire the podcast and what you guys are doing. And it, it was just so fun. Really loved it. Thank you. And again, we appreciate your time and having you on. You have been absolutely amazing. And as we come to a close, what final advice would you like to bestow on those that want to pursue a career in animation? That now's your time. (laughs) I feel like (laughs) animation is going through its own renaissance. Like all the studios now have animation departments. Like I think animation matters. It's not a genre. It's a medium. And there's so many ways that we can tell the story. So if you've got a story, go for it. Amazing. Beautiful. Perfect. Great. (laughs) Well, audience, if you enjoyed our interview with Carissa today, please rate and follow us on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at StraightAheadAP. Special thanks to Michael Rodriguez for connecting us with Carissa. Thanks, Michael. If you have any suggestions for future guests, please contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com. We love discovering new professionals and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. Special thanks to our editor, Edgar Arellano. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier. 
Thanks again for listening. And thank you once again to our guest who will continue to have a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.